You were, you are 
Amen. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness.
this path to follow him until my Jesus returns this narrow
Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your Father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more. than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for allowing us to be in your house, O Lord, to be under our Father's care. Thank you, Lord, that you know everything about us, within us and outside of us our past our present and our future Lord we lay down all of our rights and all of our pride and we lay them all of them down at your feet O Lord and I pray Lord God that you speak to us this very afternoon speak to us Lord for we are hungry for you we are desperate to hear your word strengthen us here today and teach us wisdom wisdom that comes from you and you alone And as you transition now to the message, Lord, may the words of my mouth and may the meditation of all those hearts who will be listening here today, Lord, may it be pleasing in your sight, O God. And we declare today, Lord, that you are our rock and our great redeemer. We thank you. We love you. We pray all these things. In your precious Son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. And all of God's people pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. Let's all take our seat, and before we begin, can we just take a moment to greet our fellow neighbor at this time? We're going to be continuing on with our series, Real Faith Part 13, and the title of today's message is How to Desire the Right Things, How to Desire the Right Things, because in life, we see a lot of people with the wrong desires. But God calls us Christians to have the correct desires and to have the right desires. But we cannot do this ourselves. It doesn't come from our own strength. It does not come from our own doing. But it comes from a supernatural touch and the act of God, the transformation that happens from within us by the empowering and the sanctification process of the Holy Spirit. Again, Only the Holy Spirit can give you the right desires. When we are left on our own, we will naturally, by default, have the wrong desires in this life. Why? 
because we live in a fallen world and we are fallen creatures. The passage today is found in James chapter 4, verse 1 through 12. The heading says, Submit yourselves to God. Submit. It says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity, enmity, enmity against God. And that's a word that I want to do a sermon on in the future. We talk about racism, 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 racism. All we talk about is racism these, these days. But it's not about racism, but it's about enmity. Enmity is hatred. It's hatred and animosity towards God. Because people are standing as enemies to God, therefore we hate each other. Then in turn, you will hate others in form of racism. But it comes from hatred, animosity, enmity against the Lord. Because you are standing against God. But when you stand with God, you are filled with the love of God. You are filled with the forgiveness of God. And you have compassion. And you have a new heart, a new passion, the right desires to do the right things. But because you are standing in enmity against God, you are filled with hatred. You are filled with all the wrong desires of your life that you find in your life. Let's continue reading. Therefore... Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace? That is why scripture says God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Verse 7, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Verse 11, brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them, speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy, but you, who are you to judge your neighbor. Amen. And amen. So again, going back to the title, How to Desire the Right Things. I would like to share with you today as to why, why there are so many conflicts in the church. Yes, I mentioned the fallen world, the fallen nature, but it is because the church, a church, a local church, your community church, it consists of two groups in the church. Letter A, the true believers, and letter B, the false believers. False believers meaning the pretenders. 
In other words, only true believers would desire the right things of God. When you desire the right things of God, we don't want conflict. We don't want division. We don't want disorder because God in his nature is a God of order. He is a God of peace. He is a God of love. He is a God of compassion. And if we are under our maker, we mimic and we represent his characteristics, which is love and compassion. In other words, if you are not a true believer, you will never, you cannot, you will never desire the correct things. They can try, they can try, they can try. They could teach themselves. They could fake it till they make it. And they could try to convince themselves to do the right things, but it will not stick because it is not genuine and it is not raw because you are just a pretender wanting to have faith and you don't have true faith. You cannot desire to have a life that pleases the Lord if you are a false believer. So in other words, to desire and to do the correct things before God, I must first what? And first and foremost, be first rooted in the Lord first. I have to have a relationship with the Lord first. I need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ first. Then I can, out of the overflow of the heart, my mouth will speak. And out of the overflow of my heart, from the empowering of the Holy Spirit, I will do and I will become and I will be. John 15 verse 5 says, I am the vine. Jesus says, I am the vine. You are my branches. I am the source. That's what he's saying. If you remain in me, the source, the root, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Without me, you will not have any fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Therefore, true believers, can we turn to our neighbor and say, hey, true believer, If, if you think they're not, don't say it. Like, hey, are you a false believer? I know. Hey, true believer. Therefore, true believers, point number one, will desire to do the work of the Lord. Will desire to do the work of the Lord. You know, desire is a very tricky topic. It's a tricky word because to teach someone to have the right desire is very hard. It's impossible. It cannot happen. Because by nature, our desires are of the world. Our desires are of the flesh. Our desire is that we put ourselves first. That's our desire. That's the nature of a human being. But the true believer will desire to do the work of the Lord. It's not something that can be taught. It's something that uh, can be reminded. But only the Spirit of God can give you the right desire. And this is something that is priceless is costly and it cannot be taught and if you have the right desire today you're blessed you're blessed beyond measure you know there are two types of people when you're walking down the street you see someone who is in need you have a desire to want to help or you don't have the desire to want to help but as christians we don't do it for any other gain we don't do it for any other reason we do it simply because christ lives in us the other day again just a day-to-day thing Randomly, I see an old individual. Uh, he has his hood open. Obviously, he's waiting for the car next to him. Luckily, it wasn't a Tesla, right? His battery died. So he was trying to get a jump start. And luckily, I had my thing, the portable, and I just offered. And I just said, God bless you. You know, God loves you. And that was it. And allowed the Spirit of God to do the rest. And as true believers, we don't just do these 
acts of kindness, helping others only within these four walls and the church, but when we're outside, when we're at work, when we're serving our patients, when we are there doing the work of God, when we're fellowshipping, when we're hanging out with friends and coworkers, we have the Spirit of God and we desire to do the right things, to do the work of the Lord. When summertime comes as a teacher, summer break comes, there are two types of teachers, vacation or that's the time where I give this time to do, I can do mission work and I can go and serve, serve the least of these to be God's instrument. To have the right desire is a priceless thing. Letter A, they are transformed. In other words, the true believer They are transformed individuals. They are no longer the same individual as they were in the past. They they are converted. No longer are they of their old self. You are no longer the old individual, the old man, the old woman you used to be. But you are a new creation that is found in Jesus Christ. They are transformed. That is a mark of someone who has the right desire to do the work of the Lord. They are transformed from the inside out. Let her be. They desire to do his work. Let her see. They will do his work. They don't just desire it, but they will put it into action. You can have a vision, but unless you implement it, it will not come true. We will have to put in the work. We will do his work. And let her be. They will continue to do his work until their final breath. We will not stop. We will continue fighting the good fight. And we will not turn back. There is no turning back. To turn back, that is a ridiculous statement as a Christian. No way we can turn back. Once you cross the Red Sea, there is no going back. But the devil, Satan, will try to deceive your mind. Hey, wasn't it better before? Remember the Israelites? What happened? They were in the desert. They created golden calves. They made idols. They forgot the Lord. And what did they say? They had the audacity to say what? Oh, if only we can go back to Egypt. You fool! You want to go back to Egypt? Go back then! That's why they kept detouring, detouring for 40 years in the desert. The first generation of them were all wiped away. And because the core of your life is not cored in the Lord. The desires you have are completely opposite of the Lord's. It makes sense. If you are core in God, then you will have His desires. You will have His heart. You will have His compassion. You will want to be His hands and His feet, to be His instrument. But if you are not of the Lord, if you are not core in the Lord, then Everything we do, it comes from the self, and the self is is selfish. It is not selfless. We put ourselves first because we live in a fallen world, and we are a fallen creature. And as Christians, when we are courting God, we long to do his work. We desire to do his work, and we will do his work. This is the beginning the middle, and the end until we take our final breath in this life. As Christians, to want to do something else, to live your life for someone else, is not in our DNA. 
even when we have the best of everything in this life, it will never replace God. God is number one. He is the core. If you want to be a good friend, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Love God. Love Him only and have a relationship with Him as your first and foremost and your last. Luke chapter 6, verse 45, it says, A good man brings good things out of what? The good store up where? In his heart. Your heart is your life. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil store up in his heart. Again, heart, your life. For the mouth speaks what is full of, what the heart is full of. So what is your heart full of today? Let's continue. Matthew 12, verse 33 to 35. Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. It makes sense. Make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. It makes sense. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good store up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil store up in him. So here, going back to our main passage in verse 1 to 3, in James 4, it says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? What is causing you to fight within the church? James is teaching us. Don't they come from what? Your desires that battle within you. What is that battle, that desire within? It's Romans 7, where, where Paul, he is struggling, right? Between good and and evil. I want to do what is right, but there is something within me that is going against it. There's a battle within you, a desire that battles within you. It says you desire, but you do not have, meaning you're desiring the wrong things. And even if you think you're desiring the right things, you don't have it. So you kill like Cain, because our heart is full of, not of God, but of the self, of evil, of pride of arrogance. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So we quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. Again, your desires are all wrong. You may spend what you get on your what? On my pleasure. Not on what pleases God, but because I want to please myself, Therefore, we don't get the right desires, and therefore, we don't have the right fruit in our life because our desire is what? Again, I am the God of my life. If only I can go back to Egypt, forget what God did for you, forget what God has done in your life, the blessing that he has poured out in your life, the job and the career you have, the family that you have, is all a blessing from the Lord. But the moment we forget, we take our eyes off away from the maker, from the creator, from the giver, and we focus on the giving gifts and the gifts that we have, then we lose sight of what is right, what is correct in the Lord's eyes. And lastly, letter E, they will always ask the Lord for the right things. In other words, when you ask, you will receive. Why? Because you're going to ask for the right things. And God will be pleased with your requests. 
In other words, those who belong to the Lord will always ask for the right things. They will ask for things that pleases Him. And your prayer will look like this in 2024. Lord, more than what I want for myself, but what it is, is for your kingdom. Lord, use me as your instrument to be your hands and your feet. That's what it means to have the right desire before the Lord. So again, therefore, true believers, number one, will desire to do the work of the Lord. They are transformed. They desire to do his work. They will do his work. They will continue to do his work until their final breath. And they will always ask the Lord for the right things. Amen and amen. Point number two, therefore, true believers will humble themselves before the Lord, will humble themselves before the Lord. Let's take a look at verse 6 and verse, seven, verse 10. 6 and 10 in our main passage, James 4, it says, But he gives us more grace. That is why Scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. I'm not going to stay too long on this topic because almost every week I talk about humility, humility, humility. Philippians 2, we should have that memorized by now because Christ was a humble king, was a humble servant leader. Therefore, we are called to be humble. God opposes the proud but shows favor. In other passages, it shows grace to the humble. Verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will what? Lift you up. If you are up, you'll just be brought down. You'll be humiliated. Before you're hum humiliated, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. And if you look at every individual, every person in the Bible that did the work of God, they were in a place of humility. Let's take a look at Nehemiah 1. I just want to introduce this character to you because after this series, we're going to talk about Nehemiah. But Nehemiah, this is what happens in the beginning. Again, they're exiled and they want to go and rebuild the temple, rebuild the house of God. And this is the vision and this is the conviction that Nehemiah received. He says in verse 4, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. That phrase sat down and wet means he was humble he was broken he was not proud but he had the right desire of god he was a humble individual so he sat down and he wept for some days i mourned fasted prayed before the god of heaven again humility if you are not humble you will not mourn you will not fast you will not pray a proud person will never pray but a humble individual will pray before the Lord because it is not by my own strength that I will overcome and accomplish, but it is the Spirit of God that will help me accomplish. Verse 5, then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, when we're humble, we exalt God. That's the first thing. We exalt them. We humble ourselves and we exalt them. We exalt them. 
We humble ourselves. We exalt them. The great and awesome God who keeps his covenant. We know his characteristic. We know we see him with the correct lens, with the set of glasses, who keep his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer. Your servant. He's calling himself a servant. I am a servant of God. And there's nothing wrong with that. Me being a servant of God. Servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. Again, sign of repentance. He is humbling himself, repenting before God. Verse 7, we have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, if you, are faithful, if you are unfaithful, I'll scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I've chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people whom you redeem by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name, revere, reverence, fear his name. Gave your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king. Cupbearer is a low position, but also a high position. Why? It is an intimate position because you are next to the king. Before the king takes the sip, unless it's poison, he will take the sip and he will give it to the king, make sure it's safe. He was there, and most of the time, the king would speak to the cupbearer because the cupbearer was right next to the king. And because he was a cupbearer, God used him in a mighty way to do the work of God. And we're going to get to that in the future. Nehemiah. Remember, remember that name, Nehemiah. Esther 4, 16. Chapter 4, verse 16. NIV says, And if I perish, I perish. And NLT translation says, she's very bold, right? It's like a scene from Braveheart. right? If I must die, I must die. She's taking courage. She's a courageous individual. And this courage comes from humility in the Lord. Humility, humility, humility. And Paul, he says in Philippians 1.21, he says, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. All three individuals showing true humility before the Lord, including James. So four, James, Nehemiah, Esther, Paul, and Philippians. One, humble yourself before the Lord. If you are a true believer, true believers will humble themselves before the Lord. Amen and amen. All right, lastly, point number three. True believers will submit themselves unto the Lord. Submit. And this is the word that I want to focus on, the word submit here today. And I'll tell you why. And we'll get there towards the end of this point. Now, all individuals are under something under some sort of influence you are under loyalty of something and the question is what is it the bible makes it very clear 
It's letter A. Is it? It is under Christ. It could be in a form of a question. Is it under Christ? I'm asking you. Is it? It is under Christ. Or B, it is under something else. Is it under something else? What is that something else? Something else is Satan. Simple, Satan. Are you under Christ or are you under something else? That's it. It's one or the other. There's an interview with Cat Williams, an old school comedian. And in this interview, he's just literally giving facts about everything of all the people, other comedians like Kevin Hart and other people who became successful. And he's just talking about how others have sold their soul to Satan in industry in exchange for their, quote-unquote, success. We need to understand that in life, it comes down, are we under the allegiance of Christ or are we under the allegiance of something else? That something else, again, is influenced by Satan himself. John 8 Chapter 8, verse 43 to 47, it says, Why is my language not clear to you? Jesus speaking here. Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your Father. To who? The devil. And you want to carry out your Father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. Again, the devil is a counterfeiter. He cannot create anything. He just counterfeits. There is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth... You do not believe me. It makes sense. It's either Jesus is telling a lie and these people are standing on the truth. Which one is it? You can have one without the other. You are not listening to what I'm saying, the truth, because you are standing with your father, the devil, the father of lies. That's why you cannot hear me. It makes sense. Because you don't belong to me, What I'm saying is not making sense in your heart, in your ears, in your eyes. It's not making sense in your life. Because you are of the devil, your father. Of course you won't believe me. Because I am standing on the truth. You are standing on the foundation of lies. Verse 46. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? Have I done any wrong? Jesus is saying. If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Don't you want to follow the truth? Why do we want to live in a lie? Because again, we're influenced with something else. We're standing on something else that is not of God. Why can't you believe me if I'm telling the truth? Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Jesus drops the mic. And they have nothing to say. Because Jesus was sinless. He was perfect. 
he was never found to be sinning because he is fully man, fully God. First John chapter 3, verse 7 to 10. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray because the one who does what is right is righteous just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is, of again, of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Again, it's very simple. The Bible is about good and evil, and through Christ, good wins. We won. That's what the Bible is about. That's what the story is all about. Fallen people, fallen world, fallen creature. Adam and Eve, Christ came and atoned the sins of all sin. That's why when we turn to him, We are saved. We are found righteous, not by my own good works, but because of the work of Christ that is in me. Because I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Christ lives in you. Verse 9, no one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. Does that mean that you're going to be perfect? No. Remember Romans 8, Romans 7, where Paul, he talks about the struggle between what is within, the fight that is within, the battle that is within. We talked about in verse 1 to to 3, the desire to do what is right, to do what is right and to do what is wrong. The desire, the battle that is within us, that is fighting within us. If you have God's seed in you, you cannot go on sinning because you have been born of God. Fact. That's the a, that's a truth. That's the fact. Verse 10, this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. Again, We have the heart of love, heart of compassion, and the heart of conviction to discipline and to do what is right, to correct what is wrong. 1 John chapter 5, two chapters later, verse 18 to 20, we know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. We know, we know that we are children of God, that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Okay, let's read that again. We know that we are children of God. As Christians, do you know that you are a child of God? Yes? Amen. Can we all say amen? Amen. Amen. I know I am a child of God. And that the whole world, not because I'm better, but because I've been saved by grace, is a costly grace, gift that has been given unto me. But the rest of the world who are living in the world... They're under the control of what? Of who? The evil one. So again, the Bible is very clear. You are in the light or you are in darkness. No in between. Verse 20. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true 
by being in His Son, Jesus Christ. This truth does not come from yourself because if it comes from yourself, you will grow in pride. You'll think, oh, look at me. I helped this person. I'm better than you. What did you do? You compare your works. But it comes from the relationship that we have in Jesus Christ, and we don't keep record. We don't keep record. Whatever we do, we do it for the Lord, and then we move on. And we continue on the next day, the next day, the next day. He is the true God in eternal life. Verse 21, dear children, keep yourselves from idols. What are idols? Anything that is not of God, it is of sin. And sadly, this is the reality of majority of people in this world. Thanks be to God that we stand in Christ. Amen? Let's not take that for granted. Because it's very easy, it is so easy to live for the world and to live in the world and to fall for the things of this world. That's why it says in verse 7 to 10, going back to our main passage in James, and again, the word submit, that's the key word here. It says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. A lot of people think to resist the devil, we have to pray out loud in tongue and do, you know, some places they do something called like fire tunnel, do all these crazy rituals, crazy things. The devil will be gone, be gone, right? The crazy, people are shaking. But the scripture is very simple. How do you resist the devil? How do you overcome the devil? How does the devil flee from you? Submit. Submit to God. That's it. Submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. That's it. You draw near to God, and you stay in his presence, and the devil will flee from you. James is saying, wash your hands, purify your hearts, you're double-minded, grieve, mourn, and well, understand your fallen nature. You need to have sadness and mourning in your heart that you are a fallen creature, that you are deceived. Change your laughter to mourning. As Christians, we think, oh, people in the world, they're so happy. Right? They're in, outside hanging out. They're free. They're laughing. Laughter does not mean that we are truly joyful. He's saying, change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you So again, letter A and B. Is it under Christ? Is it under something else? Or it is under Christ? Or it is under something else? And finishing with this, letter C and D. Is my treasure in heaven? Or D, is my treasure here? Is my treasure in heaven? Is my treasure here? movie stars and actors, people, 200 million, 100 million, building mansions here in this world, 
It's not a bad thing. She can. Okay, why not? But none of that stuff will carry with us. There's no U-Haul truck. And in the end, if my life here is finite, what am I sowing into? You reap what you sow. And I pray that we will sow into the things of God because God's seed is in us, amen? As James 4 teaches us, because the seed is within us, therefore we understand that we reap the benefit of his blessing, the eternal kingdom, not eternal punishment, but the eternal reward that is found in Jesus Christ. So again, is my treasure in heaven or is my treasure here? In other words, I pray that you be confident to say in your life right now, my treasure is in heaven and my treasure is not here. Matthew 6, 19 to 21, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy. We all know this passage. Sometimes when we know it too well, uh, it actually cripples us more because we've gotten too used to it and we've lost the meaning. But I want us to understand that there are people in churches, and I visited a few of these churches in China a long time ago, underground churches. And I'm not talking about underground, like literally underground. We think of underground, it's like in the basement, but they're like in an office space somewhere, in a hole in a wall place, and they have no access to the Bible. And these people, they write it down, they have pieces of paper, scriptures, certain scriptures, just, just memorizing it. That's just their word. That they're just not used to having four or five Bibles that we Christians have here in the, in the Western world. And we cannot read a scripture that we are so familiar with and go, oh, I've heard that before. But this is Jesus speaking to us. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, for moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where you put the treasure is where your life is, your heart, your life. Where is your life? Is it in the things of God, or is it things of this world? Is it here? Then that's what you will get. $100 million mansion, cars, Lamborghinis, McLaren, all that stuff. Good. But first, Christ, Christ must be our first and foremost. We have to be fearful, my friends. Verse 12, going back to our main passage in James 4, there's only one lawgiver and judge. One. Who is he? It's Christ. The one who is able to save and destroy your life. That passage right there, in verse 12 is the same passage that is found in the prayer that I did in the beginning in Matthew 10, where it says, where Jesus, he says, do not be afraid of the one who killed the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. In other words, he is the author, the beginner, the middle, and the perfecter of your faith. 
So be fearful. Be fearful before God. Luke 10, Luke 12, verse 5 says, But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Jesus is saying that. He's very direct. He's going to throw you. I'm going to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Fear him. Fear him. Hebrews 10, 31. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. That word dreadful, in all the translation, it says terrible. It is a terrible thing. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And when I say fear, a lot of people think, be afraid of him. It means have reverence towards God. Know who he is. Know how big and amazing God is. He is a God who loves, but he is also a God who avenges. He is a God, and he will, with this wrath of love, and he will avenge the sin, the rebellion in our life. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But as a Christian, it is a blessed thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Why? Because now we are redeemed. We are found righteous because of the cross. Because what Christ did for us, we are able to see him face to face. Amen. Amen. So will, we, will you put on the good hand of God? Will you be on the good hand of God or on the, on the other hand of God? And you may say, Jesus, this is a hard teaching. These are some scary warnings. And how can I be saved from this wrath? How can I go from this place of hopelessness to being hopeful? Simple. Matthew 10, 28, verse 33. And I'm closing with this. This is the prayer that I did in the beginning of our service. And Jesus, he says, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And then, I love how Jesus, he starts shifting, right? He's showing them the reality, and then he shifts it. And he says what? And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Sparrows are birds. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Amen and amen. Praise team, please come up. And with today's message, as we sing uh, the final song, I want to encourage you to find time now in this new year to make a declaration of your life, to make a decision that, Lord, this year I am going to follow you and I will follow you until the second advent, until I take my final breath here in this life. 
I will honor you, and I will follow you. As the song says, I will walk this path to follow him until my Jesus returns. This narrow gate, this narrow road, I will carry up my cross. In the end, I'll see him face to face. Again, in the past, you could not do that because when you see God face to face, we'll be destroyed. But now, because of Christ, we enter the Holy of Holies, the holy place. We see him face to face every day. We pray to him, Jesus, I love you. You're my father. In the end, I'll see him face to face when I finish my race. He'll greet me in his arms to welcome me in his glory. Amen. Amen. And amen. And with that truth, again, how to desire the right things. I pray that this year that you will desire the right things of God. And the only way that you can desire the right things of God is for you to be in a right relationship with God. That's the only way. As I say this, if I were to preach to myself, to my younger self, you know, many, many years ago, I would think you're a crazy person. This is something that is too much. It doesn't make sense to me because, again, I was lost in my rebellion. I was lost in my own life, and I was the God of my own life. But when I surrendered my life to the Lord, each day he humbled me and he taught me what it means to be a true Christian. And what we see here today is a miracle, a testimony. Your life, my life, the transformation, the conversion that has been done in our life is the miracle of God. It's the touch of God. Only the Spirit of God can have done this. It doesn't come from myself. I gain no glory for myself. But it's all because of His grace that we are here today. I want to remind you here today that it is by His grace that you are here. It is not an accident that you are here. The Lord loves you. He has a plan for you. He has a purpose for your life. Everything that you've been through in your life was all for this moment so that you can have Him and find Him and have a relationship with Him. So in this narrow gate and in this narrow road, again, we translated this song about two years ago into English. And the narrow gate, this narrow road, I will carry out my cross. The cross is, again, the trials and the testings that come in our life, the difficulties. And as Christ carried the cross, as he went on the road to Calvary and as he died on our behalf, Christ is calling you to pick up your cross and to follow him faithfully and to have one desire, one desire. May your prayer today be, Lord, one desire, Lord, one, only one desire. That desire is to follow you and to live for you. Lord, I don't know where to start. I know right now my life is chaotic and I know there's a lot of disorder in my life. But Lord, you don't ask me to clean up before I come, but you ask me to come as I am. So come as you are. Come as you are and give yourselves to him. And he will put everything in order in your life. He will be the one who will do it. And he will gain all the glory and all the honor of the testimony of your life, the transformed life that is found in Jesus Christ. So as we sing this song, I want to invite you to pray. Pray before God. Pray, Lord, one desire, Lord, a desire to worship you and to follow you. Give me the right desire in my heart 
as I am grounded and found in a relationship with you. Can we come together and pray together?
Yes, Lord, remember your words where you said, I took you from the ends of the earth, from as far as corners I called you. I said, you are my servant, and I have chosen you, and have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you. 
with my righteous right hand. I am the good shepherd, you remind us, Lord, that you are the good shepherd that have laid down his life for the sheep, for us. Lord, we thank you that you are not a higher hand that will run away when the wolf comes, but you are the great shepherd, the good shepherd, the gate shepherd of the sheep who protects us and loves us. And because you are the good shepherd, you say, Lord, you know your sheep, and you also say that your sheep will know him. Lord, we know you today because, God, we stand upon the truth of God, not on the path of this world where it's full of lies. But because we stand with you, we know you, Lord. And as you said, just as a father knows me and I know the father, you also know me and I lay down my life for the sheep. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us and for showing us your way, the truth and the life. Thank you, Lord, that we are no longer walking in the path of darkness and that we are hopeless. But you have taken us from the place of hopelessness to a place of hope, to a new life that is found in Jesus Christ. We thank you. We love you. We give you all the glory and all the honor. For all these things, in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. All of God's people pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. All right, let's finish our service with our theme song, The Path of Life in Jesus. Let us close the service with the benediction. Let us worship together. service with the final prayer with the benediction let us pray together may the Lord bless you and keep you and may the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you and may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace and now may the unending pursuit 
May the unending grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the gentle counsel and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, which that surpasses all the knowledge of this world, continue to keep you, guide you, and protect you forevermore. And as God's people we pray, amen and amen. All right, God bless you. I love you. I'll see you all in the back. God bless you. Thank you.